Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Sharon Gala, who is investment vice president in Prudential Financial's chief investment office, supporting domestic insurance assets. She has been there almost four years after spending 10 years managing fixed income portfolios at MetLife, where she relaunched in 2005 after a six-year career break. We met Sharon very early on in her relaunch, and I am so thrilled to be talking to her today, 13 years after she returned to work. Sharon, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, I'm really excited to be talking with you today. Well, we are excited to be talking with you. And I want to start by going all the way back to 2005 and just before that, when you were on career break and you were about to relaunch. So I remember you had been in a fixed income management role for nine years before your six-year career break. You were at Chase and at Payne Weber. And I wanted to know if you could take us back to that time and tell us wh- how you decided you were ready to come back and how did you prepare for it? Sure. Um, happy to kind of go back and, and revisit the past here. Um, in terms of the break, you know, I, I ended up being on a career break for six years. Um, it turned out to be a little longer than I had originally planned. I had originally thought, uh, I'm going to take uh, three years off. And then life happens to you and suddenly it becomes a six-year break. Um, the yeah. reason for, you know, my, my break came um, as a result from starting my family. Um, in terms of when I wanted to go back to work, at the end of that break, I was really in a good place. Uh, I, you know, I have two, two, two children. Uh, I was at a point where I was getting enough sleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, and that's important. I think I was both physically and mentally you know, ready to go back to work. And in fact, very eager and excited to go back to uh, full-time employment. So once I had decided that it was time to, you know, get an action plan together and start the job search, the first thing I did uh, to prepare myself was to get up to speed on what was going on in the financial markets. You know, that that's my background is investment management. So one of the things I did was get in touch with some of my former colleagues and I asked them to forward me some of the research they they receive on the markets. I wanted to see what was happening, what people were talking about. Um, one of the benefits about being in uh, investments is that there's a lot of public information out there. So you can watch CNBC, uh, you can re- look at Bloomberg, you can get information there uh, to get mm-hmm. it again, to find out what's going on currently. Right. Um, the other thing I did was I told everyone I knew that I was planning to go back to work. And that really was really important in forming contacts and getting leads on jobs because you never know who your friends know. And mm-hmm. if they're not familiar with, oh, I work in investments, and this happened to me, a friend of mine said, you know, my, my neighbor works for an investment company, give me your resume. Well, that turned into a lead for an interview. Uh, mm-hmm. So things like that, You even if you have someone who isn't in your particular profession, you don't know who they know. So that's why 
letting everybody know uh, that you're going back to work and frankly, have your friends tell their friends that you're foremost in their mind where they go, hey, I know someone, you know, who's looking to go back to work and they're in your area. You know, there was no LinkedIn at that time. So, right. you know, you totally kind of world. Very yeah. different. Where it wasn't that long ago when you think about it. It's mm-hmm. if anything, I think it's easier now um, to do networking and to get uh, information. Well, wait, Sharon. Before you go on, did anyone question you? Did they say, "How do you think you're going to do that? You've been out for six years, and and have you know? Do you even know what's happening in the financial markets now? Did like did anyone ever challenge anything? No, in terms of uh, job interviewers or just people I was talking just, to? Just people you were talking to. No, 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 nobody questioned that. Um, I, I think it was understood that with, with I, I said this to somebody, you know what? Markets go up, markets go down. Uh, markets change all over the time. What hasn't changed is your ability to know what information should I be looking at? How do I formulate an opinion? How do I do a strategy? Um, that skill set is still there. You're just applying it to a different mix of data. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the funny thing was, uh, I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit to when I was interviewing with the role I ended up uh, getting, <laughs> my, my, uh, the interviewer later told me, you know, you knew more about what was going on with 10-year treasuries than some of the people who were working for me at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> That's I, I think, amazing. I think That's that awesome. that is um, a prop, props to Joe Maison, my old my old manager. Um, it, it, that just shows you the power of of being prepared and selling your skill set. You know, mm-hmm. demonstrating to an interviewer that you can do you know, the role that's in front of you, even though you've been away from full-time work. Mm-hmm. Um, so wait, can you just get a little technical with us? So um, what exactly were you studying to been able to say whatever you said that made him sure. say that? Um, a couple of things, you know, within fixed income markets, we care about interest rates. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of economic research that's uh, put out about, you know, where are we in the interest rate cycle? Um, how is the economy doing? Uh, where do we think Fed policy is going to be? What are risk assets doing? So some of that I was able to receive, again, through uh, my contacts sending me uh, you know, Wall Street research information. Some of it's coming from, you, know, you can read the New York Times business section. The great thing about in- investment information that it's, it's pretty widely disseminated. So mm-hmm. that was not difficult for me to find and to get back up to speed on. Uh, So I was fortunate in that way. And again, um, it wasn't like there were new asset classes out there or, you know, the economy was in a different, uh, it was in a different position than when I had left, but it's the, the ability to analyze it and formulate strategies, you know, I could still do that. You know, it's so interesting how consistently we hear this. We'll hear, the fundamentals of credit risk analysis have not really changed or, you know, the the principles of multivariate statistics or, you know, certain types of certain engineer in certain engineering fields, the problems we deal with are still the same. Now, they say some of the tech tools or some of the, um, 
you know, analytics that, that we use are, are something that we, I had to learn. Can you talk about, uh, and, and actually we're jumping ahead, but I'll just ask this question. Um, were, was there anything on the technical side, even like basic office management software or um, some tech tools that you needed to do your job that were new to you? Or, and did, you know, how did you learn those? Um, th- there was definitely uh, tools that I needed to learn. Um, when I left this, I'm really dating myself here. When I left the workforce, Lotus One Two Three was still your, ba- you know, one of the spreadsheet yep. options available. Me too. And when I came <laughs> back, uh, it, it was Excel. Right. And w- again, when I left uh, the workforce, email was just starting to take mm-hmm. off in companies. Right. And now, you know, that that was you know the way you communicated a lot. So th- I would say those were two things that. I had to get up to speed on. And the funny thing is, though, when I was thinking about this, it wasn't just that I was coming back in the workforce and, you know, I needed to get up to speed on the current technology. I was in a new role. My previous work had been sitting on a trading desk where, you know, you were looking at at broker screens and Bloomberg's. Um, The role wasn't as heavily, you know, using spreadsheets. So, Yes, I was, you know, I've been out of the workforce and needed to learn these new technologies. But at the same time, my previous role, I wouldn't have kind of known how to use that anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, it was it was a new experience on both ends, both from, you know, me entering the insurance industry, which I hadn't worked in before uh, in a different role, and then also coming back uh, from being away. So you, you were you you went public with your job search. You told everyone you were updating your skills. Uh, you obviously figured out which roles that you wanted to apply for. W- was that a process for you? Because you said you're in a new part of the financial sec- sector um, and doing a slight, you know, a different job. Was did that sort of evolve over time, depending on who you were talking to in the organization, or did you intentionally apply for certain roles? I would say that I intentionally applied for certain roles. Uh, again, thinking about all of all, all, you're weighing all the options out there. How long do I really want to be commuting? Uh, you know, what kind of hours do I want to be working? Uh, working in investments, there are there's a lot of different roles you can play, and each of them have their own you know pluses and minuses. And for myself, I was hoping to stay you know, not too far from where I live. Uh, I was willing to go commute into New York City uh, if that if it required that, but I was sort of hoping to not do that. I would have been open to a role on a trading desk. I kind of knew the direction I wanted to be in from where where my past experience was. So yes, I, I had a good sense of what was appealing to me. I could read a job description and know, yes, th- this is really going to be, this is something I would be very interested in doing. And did you benefit from a personal handoff? And were you like for for people from people with whom you'd worked before, or did you apply online and simply get interviewed in a more traditional way? I had a little bit of both. Um, I did have uh, some former colleagues who were making introductions for me. What ended up happening, and how I ultimately got the role that I did was, it's funny to say, it was the old-fashioned way. I had been applying online and a role came up at MetLife 
I sent my resume and I got a phone call for an interview. Wow. And so that's why I tell people that when you when you do put your resume into the system, uh, it, it does work. You know, you uh, looking back on it, when you look at if you looked at my resume at the time and you looked at the description for this job, it was a match. Mm -hmm. So, because, you know, we tell people now it rarely works. And I don't know if it's changed over time and just the volume of applications are, are higher now than before. But now we feel even for people without a career break that that personal handoff or having someone put your resume in front of the hiring manager is what makes the difference. But I love hearing these stories where you applied, as you said, the old fashioned way. Um, what ended up happening, though, I will say is that um, one of my uh, former colleagues who was helping me out, uh, when it looked like, you know, things were going to move forward with Met, I kind of talked to them and said, hey, what do you know about these people at Met? And the Met people talked to the same person and said, hey, what do you know about the Sharon Gala? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so we both kind of, you know, checked each other out. And so that's where it was, it was very helpful to have, um, you know, people who were still in the industry who can vouch for you, who, you know, who've worked wow. with you and can, you know, try to alleviate. Cause when you're hiring someone at any point, you know, it's, it's, you, you don't know, you've, you've maybe talked to somebody for 45 minutes, maybe longer. Um, and you're, you're always taking a chance. So having that little extra, uh, you know, bit of confirmation, I think, um, makes it easier for the hiring manager. Right. Now, I just want to remind our listeners that you're listening to 321 I Relaunch, and this is your host, Carol Fishman-Cohen. I'm speaking with Sharon Gala, Portfolio Manager in the Chief Investment Office at Prudential Financial and Relauncher. And Sharon, I have so many questions to ask you uh, and in a very short amount of time. Let me ask you about your CFA. So you have your CFA, uh, uh, this, it's a Certified Financial Analyst designation, and that's a, a very difficult uh, designation or certification to get. And I, I wanted to know, how did you maintain that? Did you have to do anything special to keep it current? Um, those who have the CFA out there, I, I hope you're smiling because, uh, Carol, you nailed it. It is a very difficult exam to get. And I will say I, I finished level three um, right after the birth of my first child. So I'm very proud of that. Um, for the CFA, the way it works is that uh, you are encouraged but not required to do continuing education. And you are required to pay an annual uh, dues to uh, the CFA Institute and also to uh, complete a, uh, an ethics um, compliance certification. Uh, so those are really, that is what you need to keep your CFA. All right. I just wanted to underscore this because keeping certifications that you have current while you're on career break is, is something to think about and prioritize. It, it can make a difference later on. Uh, some of these, some of these uh, certifications expire and they're very difficult to get reinstated. So, Yeah. And, and during that time, actually, while I was off, I was uh, still a member of the New York Society of Security Analysts and they were a wonderful resource. You know, one thing I neglected to mention was, you know, they offer various courses and seminars. And I do recall going out and, and, uh, 
sitting through some of those. Also, at the time, having membership in that organization allowed you to access their job postings. So again, before, you know, mm. there was a time when you know, to find the job postings you were looking for, you had to look for certain specialized uh, places that would list them, such as Bloomberg or one of the, um, one of the investment societies. Great advice. Um, so let's let's t- skip to your your back on the job. Um, in the early years, did you walk in there feeling confident? Um, did you have moments of doubt or moments of triumph, expected or unexpected? Can you just talk about what it felt like in the first few years to be back? Um, I, th- I think you nailed it there because I had I had all of those. Um, First of all, I just remember feeling so happy and so proud and so also grateful uh, walking in that first day that I was in a role that, you know, matched what I was interested in. I was fortunate enough to have a, you know, reasonable commute. Uh, I was able to, you know, find this very nuanced thing I was looking for. I wanted a, you know, an interesting job that didn't have, you know, really, really, really long hours. And because, you know, I still had a young family, um, you know, in an area I was interested in uh, at the level that uh, I I entered in at the level that uh, I should have been. That also was something um, I was happy about. There were days when uh, I definitely felt like I didn't know, you know, I was behind other people um, trying to, learn the business, you know, other people have been there longer than me and I'm a little older than them. Uh, but yet I don't know what they know. There were definitely times where I would feel insecure and, you know, then the confidence wasn't so low. Um, over time, I found that that kind of happens when you're in a new job. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, mm-hmm. I think here, maybe it was magnified a little bit because of the break, but I think we forget that a lot of times when you're taking on a new role, you need to be prepared for those feelings. You know, it's, there are going to be times where you're going to be feeling a little out of your depth and you're going to question yourself. Um, and that's when you have to really, you know, challenge that little voice in your head and realize that you have, you have the skill set and the ability, um, you're going to get it eventually. Right. And let's just talk about level for a minute. Did you end up coming in at the same level that which you left or, or what, what was that? It was really apples and oranges. Cause you're talking about, um, you know, an insurance company versus, um, you know, a New York money center bank in, and I was in a trading role. So they really were two very different jobs. Got I it. will say that for, for where I was and the amount of experience I had and, you know, balancing all that, I came in, at the, I came in at the appropriate level in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've been back for a little over 13 years now. And can you pinpoint certain moments during those 13 years, like when things started to turn around to the point where you felt like you were, uh, I don't know, soaring or, or, yeah. or there were, you're much more confident sort of on an ongoing basis um, and really in control? Or was that a moment or did it just kind of like it, it, this things just sort of progressed and there wasn't any defined milestone. Um, I, I think, you know, looking back on it, I suppose it was um, I was promoted twice during my career at my life. So that first promotion um, really felt great. 
I, I remember at that time really feeling like, you know, wow, this, the, you know, I've, I've made it. I've look at me, I came back and now I'm being promoted. Um, I was, I was really happy about that. And then um, was maybe about five years later when I was promoted again and you know, sort of that's that same feeling of that, that feeling of accomplishment and, uh, you know, that recognition from management um, that they believe in you and that they're happy with your work you're doing. And was there a point where you realized that whoever you were working with kind of forgot you had ever taken a career break? Oh, yeah. I, I would say, oh, maybe, maybe after about three years or so in, in, in the role I was at, I don't think, cause then what happens? Other people get hired and, you know, mm-hmm. you become, you become the person who's been there for a while and somebody else is the new person. Um, so I would say, yes, over time, it, it never really became an issue with regards to, you know, my role. I I'm just so intrigued by this um, because I, I'm interested in, your own perception of yourself as a relauncher. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I want to also talk about you're now at Peru um, and after this long period of time at at, uh, MetLife. So when you moved to that new role, I'm guessing, you know, your career break was ancient history at that point. And it was really not part of the definition of who you are as a professional. So how did that happen? Were you recruited? Did you did you reach out to them? Um, I was recruited, and at the time, um, you know, I had been in the same role. You know, again in different, different. Um, I had different opportunities within the department, but more or less the same role. And I was at a point where I was really thinking about what do I want to do next? You know, the next, you know, the next part of my career. So the call from the recruiter came at an interesting time. What I do remember, uh, because he saw my profile on LinkedIn, and once again, I will emphasize to people, uh, spend that time on your LinkedIn profile. Recruiters are looking at it. Mm. And when we talked about my background, I think it was an aside toward the end of the conversation. He goes, "Oh, I, I noticed there was a break there. Was it? Was, you know, I assume that was uh, you know you, you start. I said, yeah, I started a family. He goes, oh, okay, and that was it. There, there was there was no there was no discussion. I can tell you vividly when I was a relauncher, if I talked to a recruiter, I would just completely confuse and befuddle them, and they ha- would have no idea how to market me. Uh, you know." Never mind the, you know, I, I had experience at, at two major Wall Street firms. I'd been promoted, um, you know, I have very good background. They just could not understand how to deal with me. Um, so it was, I was very happy to see that that had changed. Yeah, they, they couldn't understand, like, how to d- describe or deal with the career break, right? Exactly. exactly. And uh, again, it comes back down to, can you communicate and demonstrate uh, to the people who are hiring that you are up to speed and capable of doing the work that they need someone for? Right. And on your LinkedIn profile, I noticed you don't delineate the years that you took your career break. You simply have a gap in there. So exactly. Yep. 
That, that's what the, the current person, the, the Prue interviewer was, was looking at. It was like there were some years that were unaccounted for, and he just wanted to confirm that what the reason was for that. Exactly. And I like that people ask me that. The funny thing is, um, I remember when, uh, again, I'll go back to MetLife, when my resume was being reviewed, uh, my, my uh, former boss said, you know, I didn't actually catch that you had a, had a um, break on your resume until maybe like the second or third time I read it. Because mm -hmm. again, he was focusing on the experience that I had. Mm -hmm. He didn't see that. And that's really what I wanted people to focus on. I'm not hiding it. It's nothing, I've, you know, I, I'm always happy to talk about it. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel the need. I just don't feel the, that it's a requirement for me to explain what that break was. I'm, I'm happy to have people ask me. But, you know, a resume is there to explain what is your experience. And so in, in my mind, there's, there's really not a, a reason to put that on a resume. So Sharon, looking back, is there anything that stood out to you about your relaunch process? You know, when it was all said and done and I looked back at it, um, and this is advice I give people when they're looking for a job for whatever reason, everyone has something that they think is going to keep them from getting hired, whether it's, I took a long career break. I don't have enough experience. I have too much experience. I'm too old. I'm too young. Um, you need to have confidence in yourself. Find yourself a cheerleading group. You know the people you know who are who know that you're looking for work. Let them be your cheerleaders. Um, build up that confidence in yourself, and that's going to help you. You know, strongly communicate the skills that you're going to bring to the table. You need to make sure that you are, you know, mentally not beating yourself up and getting, you know, dejected, hang in there. Um, it's the mental challenge. I think that's the hardest part for anyone who's, who's looking to go back to work. But don't think it's just because you had a career break. Everybody has something that they think is going to keep them from getting that next role. You know, I'm so glad you bring this up because especially in today's environment where we're in a quote, full employment economy for relaunchers who are going through a process where they're getting rejection, it feels extra bad. And this challenge of keeping up a, a positive outlook and knowing that it's not a personal, it's not about you and you will ultimately get that opportunity it's, it's really, it's fundamentally important. It, you know, it's easy to say to somebody, you know, who's in the midst of a job search, oh, you know, just, just keep on, you know, keep on plugging away at it. Um, but you really have to be aware that that's really what go, is going to, your biggest challenge is going to be, um, you know, the story that's going through your mind. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. have to challenge that and make it a positive story and not a negative story. Absolutely. Thanks so much. That's that's terrific advice. Oh, you're very welcome. So Sharon, I want to, we're running out of time now. And there's one question that I'm so intrigued by. Uh, be, I, I'm doing a lot of thinking about this myself right now. And that is, how long do relaunchers hold on to their relauncher identity once they're back in the workplace for, you know, three, five, 10, 13 years? Um, how, do, how do you view that? That's an interesting question because I'm going to answer this it's two ways. As 
you know, as someone working full time and, you know, someone who's managing their career, I think of myself as, I would describe myself as a, you know, fixed income investment professional. That's the description Mm -hmm. I would use. Mm -hmm. But I'm a fixed income investment professional who had a break in her career. I don't think of myself as someone who was a relauncher. It, it, it was just something, you know, what's the difference between that and, you know, s- suppose I had been at one of the banks that, you know, didn't make it through the crisis and I was out of work and I had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. I don't see the difference between that. So while I don't think of myself as a relauncher, at the same time, uh, I'm very passionate about spreading the word to companies and hiring managers that this is an untapped resource. And, you know, it's always hard, uh, I think, to get in front of hiring managers and, you know, through the whole HR gauntlet. And you're missing out on a, an opportunity to hire people who are really interested in coming back to work, have a lot to offer. And unfortunately, just the way our society is, uh, you get penalized for having that gap uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. If you if you have the skill set and you have um, the ability to do the job, that that gap is really something that should not immediately throw you into the out pile. Right. So so what you're saying is so you do identify with it because it's something in your past, but it it doesn't, it doesn't have any bearing on who you are now or doesn't define you in any way. No, I, I would, I would agree with that assessment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm so interested in that. And, and like, at what point does it, does it shift for people once they're back a, a certain amount of time? But I have to believe now that, you know, you're, you're back in the workforce. You said that there, most people don't even know that you ever took a career break. Uh, it's just not, a relevant data point anymore all these years later. No, agreed. So Sharon, I want to finish up by asking you a question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Oh, boy. Um, I have a lot of advice for on that. Um, I, I would say looking back on the way, you know, on where I was back then and how I did things, I'm sorry um, that I had not networked more earlier. I kind of waited until I was sort of the end of when I, you know, wanted to have this break. Then I started talking to people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would have benefited more and perhaps found some opportunities, um, maybe for part-time work or something different. Um, so if I had, if I had networked earlier, I think that would have, that would have been better for me. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice. And that's coming from you, Sharon, who did go public with your job search and you did talk to a lot of people, but you're saying if you had done it earlier, it would have even made more of a difference. So that's really, really important messaging to our relauncher audience. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Carol, this this was just wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. 
I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.